listening to the Miracle Word Podcast. We believe that the Word of God gives you the power to experience never-ending increase in every area. If you're ready for revelation that will take you to the next level, you're in the right place. Here's your host, evangelist, author, and founder of Miracle Word University, Ted Shuttlesworth, Jr. Let's jump in today. Um, If you've shared it, thank you. If you haven't, I'm going to fight you. No, I'm kidding. Um, So today, I, I told you that we'd be dealing with seven reasons why some Christians prosper and others never will, literally never will. And by the way, it's not because God doesn't want them to. That's the other thing I want you to understand. Not because God doesn't want his children to be blessed. It's just that they do certain things that ensure they never will be blessed. And so that's what we're going to uh, deal with today. Seven reasons, and I'll give you Bible for it, that some Christians, you ever wonder that? It's like, why does it seem like some Christians are just like abundantly blessed? While others, it seems like they never hit their breakthrough. It's like they, they struggle through life. And you know, there's even been people that teach that, well, that message of prosperity and abundance, that's really just, uh, that's an American, that's a North American gospel. That's a North American message. And um, it's funny because they act like people like, like me that, doesn't, that does preach this uh, have never traveled the world. You act like I've never been to third world nations and understand that the Bible, the word of God works in whatever nation uh, you're living in. It's like saying healing is a North American message. Well, that, that healing message, that's a North American message. No, healing works in every nation of the world. Salvation's not a North American message at all. It works in every nation of the world. And in the same way, God's ability to bless you, prosper you, and cause you to be in abundance is not a North American message. It's um, a message that works around the world. It's a scriptural thing. And so blows my mind that um, some of the most prosperous Christians and churches are not in North America. They're in third world nations. The largest churches, the most prosperous churches aren't in North America. They're in third world nations. And so this is not something that only works if you're in America. God's ability, I mean, you obviously have to think God's ability to bless somebody is based on the country they're living in. Let me just also remind you that this message of provision and blessing did not originate in Tulsa, Oklahoma, nor did it originate in Washington, D.C. or New York City. It originated in, in, you know, in Israel, in the Holy Land, with God's people. It originated when God made covenants with his own people and uh, God has the ability to bless you no matter where you live, who you are or how you grew up. So I want you to um, put that in the comments. Very first thing, God has the ability to bless me no matter where I am. Put that in the comments. God has the ability to bless me no matter where I am. God's arm is not too short that he can't reach you where you're at. It's just that God's arm isn't provoked to touch everybody. It's just not. And I'll teach you why today. And we'll deal with seven things that you've got to get right. You have to get right in life to see those things come to pass. 
And it's funny that we understand this in every other area of life. And when it comes to spiritual things, we throw it off like it doesn't matter. It does matter. The things you do in the kingdom do matter. You know, all of the things that um, God does for you, you ever notice how many of them are conditional? That's why I've taught for years that the Bible's not a book of promises. It's a book of covenants. Things that God does for his people are conditional. Everyone's not going to heaven. You don't just get everybody. I'm not a universalist. Not everybody is going to heaven. The majority will go to hell. Not everybody uh, is getting healed. Not because God doesn't want people to be healed. Not everybody's blessed. Not because God doesn't want people to be blessed. Not everybody's delivered. Not because God doesn't want everyone to be delivered. But these things are conditional. And so people get bent out of shape about that. But it's the way God set it up. Man didn't set it up. God did. And the same thing is true with the provision of God, the blessing of God, as we'll see it in the Bible today, Old and New Testament, it's always conditional. It's always based on how we pursue his instructions and seven things. Some of these might surprise you. Some of them you may think, yeah, that, you know, I understand that others you may be like, man, I never thought of it that way. Mark it down, take notes. These will help you. If you feel like you're in that place where you're like, man, I feel like I haven't hit my breakthrough. I I feel like I'm not where I'm supposed to be. I'm not blessed like I should be. This will help you. And so I want you to take some notes today. I want you to write these things down, put them in the comments, put the scriptures in those listening onto the podcast on on the podcast. Thank you for listening and, and share it through social. Get this message out to somebody. If you're just now logging on, if you'll share this broadcast, it helps me a lot and I appreciate it. Um, let's start. Uh, with something that I feel like is extremely important. And that is this. Um, Some people never get free from sin. That blows people's minds. Some people, number one, never gain victory over sin. And I'm not talking about sinners. I'm talking about Christians. And so they allow things in there. They keep on going, keep on going. Let me show you what the Bible says about it. It's a very interesting, very interesting verse of scripture, but it's, it's found in Psalms 84, Psalm 84. So put it in number one, some people will not gain victory over sin. Look at this. The Bible says in Psalm 84, Uh, And I'll read you verses 10 and 11, verses 10 and 11. The psalmist wrote, for a day in your courts is better than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of wickedness. Verse 11, for the Lord God is a son and a shield and the Lord bestows favor and honor and no good thing does he withhold from those who walk uprightly. Do you see that? That is such a principle that we've got to get it into our spirits. The baseline for prosperity and blessing and abundance and provision is living free 
from sin. Look at this now. Let me, let me break down why the psalmist said what he said. For a day in your courts, talking about God's courts, is better than a thousand elsewhere. And then he compares it. I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of wickedness. So what is he saying? He's saying it's better to spend one day in God's presence than a thousand days anywhere else. So that shows you that one day in God's presence can do more for you than a thousand days with a financial planner, a thousand days getting an investment advice from so-and-so. It's, it's a, a, literally one moment in God's presence can really break you loose. God will give you one idea and that one idea can carry you for the rest of your life. So literally, I want you to think about this. He's saying that he'd rather be in God's presence than he would anywhere else. Then he explains why. It's the Lord that bestows favor and honor. And he doesn't hold back any good things from people who walk uprightly. For those who walk uprightly, righteously, is what the word is telling us there. And then I'll give you another verse real quickly to back that up so you can get these in your notes. In the book of Job, one book back, it's the 36th chapter. And it's the 11, 11th verse. And I'll read the 10th verse as well. The Bible says, he opens their ears to instruction and commands that they return from iniquity or sin. Verse 11, if they listen and serve him, that is God, they'll complete their days in prosperity and their years in pleasantness or pleasures, one translation says. So if they'll obey and serve God, they will spend their days in prosperity and their years in pleasures or pleasantness. So obeying the word of God, obeying the word of God, that is what, by the way, if we're breaking down, what is righteous, living holy? What is righteousness? It's just obeying the written word of God. That's what holiness is. That's what righteousness is. Righteousness being the position of being made right with God that he gives you as a gift. Holiness is then your responsibility. By the way, holiness and righteousness are two different things. If you didn't know that, I've taught on it. Righteousness is a position God places you in when you receive Christ by grace through faith. But holiness is the actions you take to align your life with God's written word. When you obey the word, you're living holy. You see what I mean? And so these two verses, Psalm 84, 11, Job 36, 11, these are showing you the importance of obedience to God's instruction, obeying him and walking uprightly. It attracts the favor of God to your life, simply being free from sin. Pastor Enoch Adeboye taught a message uh, that's mind-blowing if you've never listened to it. It's called the master key. And in the, in the message, the master key, he deals with the fact that there are many keys in the Bible for victory and success. Prayer is a key. Praise is a key. Giving is a key. Faith is a key. He goes through them, but he says, you know, none of those are the master key because there are things that can hinder all of those from working things that can stop your prayers from being answered. 
There's things that can stop your giving from returning to you. There are things that can stop your faith from working. All these are in scripture. I've taught on them. But he said the master key that will open every door is holiness, is living in obedience to the word of God. There's nothing that can stop that. There is nothing that can stop that. In fact, let me jump back over to the book of Psalms and let's look at a very familiar Psalm before we move on. It's Psalm 1. Blessed is the man. This is Psalm 1, 1 through 3. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor does he sit in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law, he meditates day and night. What does he delight himself in? The law of the Lord. What does that mean? He's obeying God's laws. He's obeying God's instructions. That's holiness. Now look at the benefit of him doing that. Verse three, he is like a tree planted by streams of water. You know what that means? He'll never run out of sustenance. He'll never run out of resource. The streams of water right there always flow into his roots. Look at this now. That yields fruit in its season. You know what that means? He'll always be productive. Always fruit bearing. His leaf does not wither. You know what that means? You'll never diminish if you're obedient to the Lord. You don't diminish. You just keep increasing. That's not God's plan that you diminish. You're like a tree planted by streams of water, and that means you're constantly getting resource and sustenance from God, and your leaf will not wither. Hallelujah. I feel the anointing on that. Somebody ought to just write it in the comments. My leaf will not wither. My leaf will not wither. And then finally, in all that he does, he prospers. In all that he does, he prospers. All that he does. Everything he sets his hand to do he prospers. Hallelujah. So you can see number one, the reason some Christians abound while other Christians seem to never get their breakthrough is because some will not live in victory over sin. Paul dealt with this, uh, when he was dealing with the Roman church, writing to the Romans, Romans chapter six, he talks about the fact, and he writes back to the churches multiple times in different letters encouraging them not to go back into living in sin. And this is a key. Holiness attracts the favor of God. Your leaf will not wither. You'll prosper in all you do. Why? Holiness attracts the favor of God. That's something you ought to write down in your notes and write in the comments because it is so vitally important that you get it. Holiness attracts the favor of God without question. Holiness attracts the favor of God. So that's number one. Many Christians will not prosper because they will never gain their victory over sin. They keep living as a carnal Christian. Let me go further. Reason number two, second thing, the ones that prosper versus the ones that don't prosper are the ones who are obeying their call from God. Hallelujah. Their call, their personal purpose, what they are called to do by the Holy Spirit. So number two, 
You've got to obey your call. The thing that God has assigned you to do. If people reject what they're called to do, it keeps them in a place of suffering, keeps them in a place. And I don't mean persecution from the unbeliever. All Christians are promised that we'll be persecuted for our faith. I'm not talking about that kind of suffering. I'm talking about things you should not lack things that are, you know, you shouldn't be in lack. You shouldn't be in a place where there's not enough. There's an issue there. When you serve a God of more than enough and you're always in a place of not enough, there's a problem. There's a problem. And so I want you to hear this now. You've got to obey your call and your purpose if you want to see God's blessing. Why would God assign you to do something and then you choose to do something completely different and then God rewards you for it? (laughs) That doesn't make sense. Why would I be called by God to do something specific and then go do my own thing and then expect God to bless me for it? That's disobedience. If he's called me to preach the gospel and I decide to go start a corporation and be the CEO of it, I am standing in rebellion to God's purpose for my life. And I can't expect God to put his hand of blessing over my life if I am disobeying his instructions and his call. We have to, number one, determine what our call is. We've got to hear it from the Lord. We've got to be discerning when it comes to our calling. And then we've got to pursue it. We've got to pursue what we are called to do. Listen to Isaiah chapter 1 and verse 9. Now, this is being said to a wicked Judah. Morning, Ted. I love you. This is being said to a a wicked Judah, and this is from Isaiah to a wicked Judah in context. Listen now. The 19th verse. Actually, I'll start with the 18th verse. Come now, let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they shall become like wool. Look at verse 19 now. If you are willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. Verse 20. But if you refuse and rebel, you shall be eaten by the sword for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. And so Judah was called to be God's people. Israel called to be God's people. And throughout the Old Testament, you see them serving him, then rejecting him, then serving him, then rejecting him, giving uh, their attention to God, giving their attention to idols. They go into captivity, they come out. You know, doubt, faith, doubt, faith. And he's saying you need to be willing and obedient and you'll eat the good of the land. Your calling's not a hobby. Catch this now. Your calling's not a hobby. It's not a side thing. What God has assigned you to do, it is life. It should be given top priority over every other thing in your life. And I feel bad. I honestly do feel bad for Christians who are not led by the spirit of God because they just won't listen to the voice of the Lord. And, and they don't, they don't know what they're called to do. That's a, that's a horrible place to be 
to be wandering through life with no purpose, no calling. You don't know what it is. It's not because you don't have one. God has given every believer a purpose and a calling. We are all members in particular of the body of Christ. None of us unimportant, none of us insignificant. So don't say, well, I guess God doesn't have a purpose for me. Oh no, he has a purpose for you. It's discovering the purpose and then attacking it, going after it with everything you've got. You know, I remember when I first went to Bible school and came out, I had, I knew I was called to be a a, a preacher. I just had nowhere to preach. (laughs) Nobody was calling me, but you know what I didn't do? I didn't decide to just go get a secular job and leave the ministry and say, well, I guess it's not, I kept pressing in because I knew I've known since I was five years old that I was called to preach the gospel. So I didn't go a different direction and I'm thankful that I didn't. I didn't go get a secular job and just say, well, I'll just get to ministry one day. No, I kept praying. I kept fasting. I kept pressing in. I kept studying until God began to open the doors and I took anything that God would give me. It didn't matter what it was. I wasn't holding out for a management position, if you know what I mean. I I didn't care if it was, you know, going to a nursing home to sing gospel songs to people in a nursing home. I didn't care if it was preaching uh, to a youth group that had 11 people in it. I didn't care. It was an open door for my calling and my purpose. And you have to know by the Holy Spirit what you're called to do. And then when you do it, you're abundantly blessed. If you stay in the midst of your purpose, you, you'll be abundantly blessed. If you're willing and obedient, you'll be ob- abundantly blessed. And so I'm using Isaiah 119, Teresa, and 18 and 20. Isaiah 119, if you're willing and obedient, you'll eat the good of the land. If you refuse and rebel, you'll be eaten by the sword for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. Of course, he's saying this to Judah, and it has to do with him protecting him, them from other nations and uh, those that are their enemies that would come against them. But understand the principle is there. Obedience to what the Lord is telling you to do always brings about the blessing in your life. Uh, That's why the Bible says it, Matthew 6, 33, seek ye first the kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. The kingdom and his righteousness are not the same thing. They're different things. Righteousness is one thing. Seeking kingdom details and principles is a different thing. And so when you begin to do what you're called to do, your calling will attach increase. God has, let me, let me just say it this way. And I want you to put this in the comments. God has resources that he will attach to your calling, to your purpose. God has resources that he will attach to the purpose he's given you. And when you attack that purpose, when you go after it, then it unlocks that the resource, the provision that God set aside for what he's asked you to do. I always know that it's something that, and that's why I've made up my mind that that's how I want to live my whole life in ministry. I don't want to do anything that the Lord didn't ask me to do because if I do, I have to come up with the resources myself. But if I do the thing he asks me to do that he designs for me to do, guess what? He provides the resources. I don't have to provide them. He does. And that's how, that's how it's worked with every single thing we've done. I don't care what it is. Literally, um, anything we've stepped into, whether it be radio, television, live streaming, 
anything the Lord asks us to do in the ministry, as soon as he's asked us to do it, God has sent the resources to pay for everything that we've done. I don't have to provide my purpose. I don't have to provide my resources. God provided the purpose. He provides the resources. And so if I just do what he asks me to do, if I'll just do what he says to do, now this is a scripture I'm going to give you to top this off. It's found in Psalm 127 and verse one, the Bible says, and I'm going to deal with this question in a minute because it needs to be dealt with. The Bible says, unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain that build it. Unless the Lord builds the house. That's Psalm 127 and verse one. They labor in vain. That's your purpose. So whatever, it's not like God, get on what I'm building. No, find out what he's building. See, the thing is when he gives you a purpose, that's what he's building. When you determine your own purpose, that's what you're building. I don't want to try to come up with my own thing and then say, God, get on this. No, let him lead you. Unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain that build it. So we discover our purpose and then we do what God calls us to do. Scroll back up just a little bit um, to Lisa. Lisa said, not all of us can work in the ministry and have that money available. It's not about the ministry. I'm not talking about ministry. I'm talking about purpose in general. It doesn't matter what your purpose is. You think God only has resources available for people that are in the ministry? <laughs> it's about your personal purpose. It's what God's called you to do. If you obey the Lord, if you follow his calling and his purpose, God's not short of resources. God's not short of provision. And I'm not telling people to join the ministry. I'm saying that no matter what your call is, God will increase you. You've heard me tell the story of that man who is a Christian, who loves to hunt, and uh, he was in the middle of hunting one day, and the Lord told him what to do, told him to go design a certain kind of a hunting blind. If you don't know what a hunting blind is, just Google it later. Um, and he said, Lord, really? And he began to do it. And then he said, the Lord said, get a patent on rocks and trees from the patent office. And he was like, what? And he went and petitioned for a patent for rocks and trees. They laughed at him. They said, we're not giving you a patent on rocks and trees. And he said, all right. And they called him back weeks later and the guy apologized. He said, apparently we are giving you a patent on rocks and trees. And then he designed the thing the Lord uh, told him to design, which is uh, a hunting blind that looks like an old rotted out tree. And then he went and showed it at a, a, a hunting expo. He had a booth at a hunting expo and sold out to a guy that had a hunting ranch in Texas and became a millionaire overnight, literally. He's not in the ministry. He's doing what the Lord called him to do. And look what happened. The resources were there. The provision was there. doesn't matter what the thing is you're called to do. It's about doing the thing God has called you to do. And when you obey and you stand in your purpose, when you stand in your call, then the provision will be there. That's how God operates. But some people will never go after their, uh, well, keep listening, Lisa, and you'll be helped. Just keep on listening. You obey your call. You live holy and you obey your call. You pursue your purpose. Look at Jessica's testimony. I've been poor and in poverty for eight years of my life until my family started tithing and giving 
God, to God uh, for uh, our, our everything and obedience and clarity came, increase came, purpose came, direction came, and so much more. He is good. That's how it works. You obey God's principles, you get his blessings. So look at this now. Number two is you've got to obey your personal call, your personal purpose. But let me give you this now. The third thing, number three, people refuse. And I don't know why. I don't know why. People refuse to steward what God has put in their hand. That's number three. That's why some Christians prosper and others never will. There are people that simply refuse to steward what God has put in their hand, even at the simplest level, literally, even at the simplest level, they will not steward what God has called them or given them and put in their hand. They just don't. And I don't know why I can't understand it. I mean, other than a lack of self-control, a lack of discipline, things that need to be broken, learn things they learned when growing up that they've never broken. We just, we just buy everything we want. We put it on credit cards. We don't wait till we have the money to pay cash. I don't know why. It's pouring outside. People don't steward what God's given them. It's like their money comes in. They put it in a bag with holes, as the Bible says. You know, a guy came into to our church one time and he said, he was distraught. He was like, brother Ted, I don't have, I don't know what I've been tithing. I've been given. I don't have any money. I don't know what the deal is. I don't know what the deal is. He said, I can't, I can't, I get to the end of the month every month and I never have any money. I'm in the hole, all this stuff. I'm like, seriously. And I'm thinking like, man, this guy needs a miracle. And I said, well, here's the, let me help you. You know, I'll, I'll help you the best I can. I said, come in, come in one day, bring your budget, bring your bills, everything like that. And let's just go through it and see what's going on. And so he did, he was one of my, my leaders, one of my youth leaders, but he was older than me actually. And, and he said, all right, I'll do it. He came in one afternoon to the church and during my lunch, I sat down with him and I said, well, let's go through what's going on. He had like two or three jobs. So he had plenty of money coming in. We write down his income. I'm like, all right, let's go through your bills. Okay. We, we wrote all of his bills out. Every last bill, we wrote it out on the paper. And then uh, he, he even had multiple cars. We even put that down, what it cost to do all that. And so I subtracted it. We looked at it. I said, all right, well, we know this is your tithe. We know that this is your, um, your, even if you gave an offering, whatever. I said, okay, well, look. And we did the math on it and sat there, looked. And I was like, all right, here's the money you're making monthly. Here's all your bills and your tithe taken out. Do you know what he had? He had every month. $1,500 unaccounted for every month. There was $1,500 extra after bills paid, after tithe given, all money in. And of course, the taxes are taken out. $1,500 a month. What's that? $18,000 a year? He had $18,000 annual dollars that he had no idea where it's going. Had no idea where it's going. No stewardship, no stewardship in his life. And I thought to myself, this dude is struggling and doesn't know why he's struggling and literally has extra money that's literally going out the door, literally in a bag with holes. 
I know I've said literally like six times in a row, but it's because I want you to get, he, I'm not saying figuratively, he literally was struggling because he had no stewardship in his life. No stewardship, literally. <laughs> I'm being serious. I couldn't, I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe it. How do you, and I guess you can, but how do you burn through $1,500 and not know it? What are you doing? And some people will not steward what the Lord has put in their hand. They, they won't. They don't have self-control by the Holy Spirit. They will not operate in self-control, self-discipline. They won't do it. And, and you've got to think to yourself, okay, well, if that's the case, uh, Susan Sharkey said, you've taught me so much in this area. 10, 10, 80 has made the world of difference in my life. And she's referring to, I said, listen, if you're going to just start out with, uh, uh, some level of stewardship. If you need somewhere to start, why not use the 10, 10, 80 principle? And people say, well, what is that? Well, you know, why don't you choose to live on 80% of what you make? 10% goes to God. And then 10% you give to yourself. You put it in savings. And then every single time you have a paycheck, 10% of it is going away that you're not touching. Think about that. After 10 paychecks, you've got a whole nother paycheck sitting there. And then you can obviously give to the Lord out of your abundance and whatever. But I mean, think about just that basic thought. I, I wonder, you know, I wonder why is it that people won't save anything? It's this culture we're living in where we've been taught that we have to have the latest, greatest to impress everybody. You know, there's people that go out, they don't have the money to do it. They go out and buy the newest thousand dollar smartphone. They always have to have a new vehicle, one of the worst investments you could ever make in your life. You know, they, they always have to have new sunglasses, new shoes. It's, it's like people can't stop themselves. They've fallen into the trap of all of the marketing that's going on in our, in our society. They've not learned what Paul taught to be content, to be content. You don't need another thing to make you happy. You've got the Holy Ghost. And I'm not saying you can't have things. You can walk in abundance. But there's people that are going and living beyond their faith and living beyond their means. And the Bible says it makes people fools when they spend all that they have. A fool spends all that he has, the Bible says. And so it's a lack of stewardship. You can't just say uh, abundance alleviates stewardship in my life. That doesn't, it doesn't work like that. It doesn't work like that. God is displeased when people are not good stewards of what they've put, what he's put in their hands. And so number one, you got to live free from sin. Number two, you've got to obey your personal calling and purpose. Number three, you've got to steward what God's put in your hand. God loves overflow and hates waste. That's something you could put in the comments if you'd like to. God loves overflow and he hates waste. God's not into waste. He's into overflow. What do you mean by that? Look at even John chapter six. The Bible says that after he fed the 5,000 men plus the women and children, there was overflow. But notice he didn't say, well, just throw it on the ground, everybody. If you're full, just throw the leftovers on the ground. No, he told his disciples to go get 12 baskets and gather up the leftovers. You see that 
they gathered up the leftovers. They didn't throw them on the ground. They didn't get, no, they gathered them up. He loves overflow. He hates waste. He hates waste. Scroll back up a, a little bit. I missed, I missed one thing that, well, that's, that's where I was going next. Keep going. That, that verse is where I was going next, Leslie. And it's true. If you're faithful now, look, let me, let me read this because I want to point out something here. I don't want you to miss it because she put the, she put the verse, but I want you to see the actual wording of this verse. The Bible says, and she's given us Luke 16, 10, but I want you to look at Matthew 25, because this is the one that really stirs me up when you're, when you're reading about the parable of the talents. Um, the Bible says in Matthew 25, verse 23, his master said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a little I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. I love that. You've been faithful over little. I will set you over much. Now, obviously the principle is true. Luke 16, if you're faithful over a little, you'll be faithful over much. It's a process. But I love Matthew 25 because it brings out the master. If you're faithful over little, I'll make you one translation ruler over much, which that's not just increase. That's also promotion. Cause see in the past, you had to be the one who was faithful over the little. Now you're the one that's the ruler over much, meaning you're over the ones you've got people now that are helping you be faithful over the much it's increase and it's promotion. I'll set you over much. I'll set you over much. And the principle is there, but it comes from stewardship. God loves abundance. He loves increase. He loves overflow. He hates waste. He hates waste. So number three, you've got to steward what God has placed in your hand. Got to steward it. Number four, some, the reason some Christians prosper, others never will. The ones who never will have no connection to the poor. They have no connection to the poor whatsoever. The ones who do prosper are connected to helping the poor. You can't get around this. And I don't care how many, uh, erroneous charismatic teachings that you want to listen to that say, well, instead of doing that, you ought to just sew up because when you sow to those that are doing grand, you, that's where, that's where the increase is. Uh, but, but if you just give to the poor, the Lord repays you. So you just get back what you gave. But if you really want to see increase, sow, sow up. It's, it's not either, or it's both blows my mind that I was like, it, we've been commanded to do it through the whole Bible, especially through the book of Proverbs. And you've got people teaching and I, you've probably never heard that. I've heard it where people say, you know, instead of, you don't want to just get to the board that there's no increase in that. You got to sow into somebody that's doing greater. That's a stupid thing to say. And anybody that taught that is stupid. You got to be connected to helping the poor. Do you know that Jesus said that if you've done it to the least of these, you've done it unto me. So Jesus actually looks at that as when you help those that are less fortunate, when you help those that are, that are in need, when you help the poor, 
It's as though you are helping Jesus personally. You're helping him personally. That's how he takes it. That's how he takes it. And I want to read you uh, Proverbs chapter 21. Hey, Melissa, I want to read you Proverbs 21, 13. If you're not connected to helping the poor, then you don't have God's heart and you're missing out. Listen to this. You're missing out on your increase because you don't do anything to help the poor. Listen, Proverbs 21, 13, whoever closes his ear to the cry of the poor will himself call out and not be answered. You see that whoever closes his ear to the cry of the poor will himself cry out and not be answered. It's crazy. Let me read you Proverbs 28 and verse 27. Whoever gives to the poor will not want, won't lack. But he who hides his eyes from the poor, I don't see, I don't see the need. I don't see the need. Will get many a curse, many curses. He who hides his eyes from the poor will get many a curse, but whoever gives to the poor will not lack, will not want. So, and I don't have to go through all the verses. There's three. Jesus said, if you've done it for the least of these, you've done it unto me. Proverbs 21, 13 and Proverbs 28, 27. You understand God's interested in helping those that are in need of help. Do you realize that the, the, the scripture that we quote all the time from second uh, Corinthians nine, anytime anybody's taken an offering, they all go to second Corinthians chapter nine or Luke six thirty-eight. Do you realize in second Corinthians nine, Paul is taking an offering to go bless Christians who are not yet living in abundance. They are without, that's the context of that. He's getting ready to take that offering to those who don't have what they need. And so they're blessing those who are in need. Amen. And so we don't close our ears to the poor. That's why when you're, you're connected with this ministry, this ministry does everything we can to bless the poor. We made a point. I, t- I called them up and I said, I want you to listen to me. I want you to tell me what it takes to be in the top 1% of givers to this organization that we stand with to bless the poor. I want to know. I want to know. And so we had them. We said, I said, call them up, find out what it takes and, and let me know. Let me know. And we found out that we were already in that uh, top 1% area. I said, well, call back again and find out what it takes to be in the top 1% of the top 1% because I want to ensure that we're not laying back and that we're not sitting around uh, taking this lightly because God doesn't take it lightly. And the reason that we stand with Dr. Lester Summerall's organization is because they're not just feeding the poor. They're one of the few organizations that's going in there, not just feeding, preaching the gospel putting Bibles in hands, showing people the message of the gospel in their own language on video, literally going in to rearrange uh, villages and cultures and, you know, blows my mind. I thought, you know how ignorant I was? This is how ignorant I was. 
I thought every culture, I th- literally, I thought this because it's just 2021. I thought every culture, everybody's got the Bible by now. I thought that every language has the Bible. Every dialect has the Bible. Well, then I went to the museum of the Bible and I walked into one of the rooms they have where you look around, it's like a cylindrical room and you look around and there's color coded Bibles on the walls and each color represents something. So I looked at these different nations and they have the names of every nation and dialect written on the walls. And I looked at them and some of the nations that we would know, it shows one color Bible, let's say it's blue. And the blue means they have the Old and New Testament in their language and in every dialect in their language. Then there's other colors, let's say it's red. And this means this country has the New Testament, but they don't yet have the Old Testament printed and published in their language and dialect. Then you go to another color, let's call it yellow. And they say in this color, uh, these are nations who don't yet have a Bible in their language or dialect, but there's one in translation right now. And then there was this fourth color, let's call it purple, that in that color, that nation, dialect, or region does not have any Bible translated into their language or dialect, and there's nobody in the process of doing it. And I was like, 2021? And I think I went there in like 2020. And I was like, seriously, it blew my mind. I didn't know it. I couldn't believe it. I honestly couldn't believe it. I was like, we still live in a day where there's people all over the world that don't have any Bible and they need it. And so I, I thankful for, I'm thankful for ministries that are partnering up that we're standing with that are going into these places and providing Bibles and providing not just food, gospel teaching, and providing evangelism. It does, Pamela, reaches Guatemala. And so it's, it's, it's mind-blowing to me. We're not going to turn our ears or our eyes away from the poor, those in need. We're going to reach out and be a blessing. And can I tell you, since we've started giving and, and giving as largely as possible to these organizations, and then of course, blessing the poor however we can, I've seen increase hit this ministry and us personally at a whole nother level. You know why? We're doing what the heart of God is, blessing those who are in need. And I'm sure you're doing that too. If you're not doing it, begin to do it. If you're partnered with this ministry, you're already doing it through your partnership because that's one of the things we focus on. Let me give you number five. The fifth of seven reasons why some prosper and some never do is because some people stop learning. They stop progressing in life. They stop moving forward. They literally, hey Chad, they throw their life into cruise control. I've, I've, I'm blown away by this. I am blown away by this. It, 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 it's mind blowing to me. You know, uh, Dave Ramsey put something out one time. He got a lot of flack for it, but it was, um, Things, uh, and it was a number of things. Let me see if I can find it real quick. It was things that uh, rich people do that poor people don't do. Let me see if I can find it. Because he, he, uh, when he put this out, people got mad at him that he, that he released it. 
because they were like, that's heartless. But it wasn't. He was pointing out the fact there are things, there are actions that you can take. There are actions you can take. One of the ones, let me see if I can find the actual person. I want you to hear the actual uh, percentage. Had to do with reading and studying. Yeah. 88%. Listen to this now. Yeah, I know it wasn't even his own study. He just read it. Um, Love you too, Christian. Listen to this. 88% of wealthy people read for 30 minutes or more each day for educational or career reasons versus only 2% of poor people that do that. Let me say that again, just so you can understand where I'm going. 88% of wealthy people read for 30 minutes a day or more for educational or career purposes. They keep continually educating themselves versus 2% of poor people that do that. And so uh, people realize, even Paul, I look at Paul, it blows my mind. Paul, Paul's writing, he's in prison in the scripture. Paul's in prison. You know what he says? He writes, and when he's listing the things that he wants them to bring to him while he's in prison, he lists like, a, you know, a blanket or, you know, obviously it was cold. But Paul says, on top of the blanket, bring me my books, bring me my parchments and my notes. You know what Paul's saying? Yeah, I'm in prison. I'm going to keep on studying. I'm going to keep on educating myself. And here's Paul, who's one of the most educated men in the Bible, if not the most. And he says, bring me my books, my parchment and my notes. I'm going to keep on. There's the link if anybody wants it. Um, it, It's mind blowing. He said, bring me my notes, bring me my parchments, bring my my books. I'm going to keep on uh, studying. I'm going to keep on going. I tell you this, he wrote to Timothy and said to Timothy, study to show yourself approved. Now in this context, it was approved to be a minister, a workman that doesn't need to be ashamed when he stands before God, rightly dividing the word of truth. But that was Timothy's purpose. That was his calling. Of course, that's where he needs to focus. But what's yours? Where do you need to focus? There are people that literally will not, they put life into cruise control. They won't, they won't keep learning. They won't educate themselves. They don't do new things. And they're just like, well, I just don't know how to do that. There's people that won't, literally can't get a better job, won't get a better job. It's like, well, that it takes knowledge about computers. Now I don't, not good with computers. Get good, become good. We have YouTube sitting here since 2006. It's not just for funny cat videos. It's literally, you can learn anything you want to learn on YouTube. And there's people that are like, well, I can't get that job. It requires computer skills. And I don't know about computers. Learn something. Stop watching Netflix. Stop sitting around scrolling your phone and literally sit down with a pen and paper and learn something. And then go take that job. Go learn how to invest. Go learn how to make things happen. You've got the mind of Christ. There's nothing you can't understand. There's nothing you can't learn. I think of Ashley Melton. She's on watching right now. She told me, I didn't know anything about investing or day trading, but the Holy Spirit helped me learn. 
and now she's got like she looks like she's she looks like she's the uh, like a master uh, controller of like the world. You look at her control center. She's got like four flat screen monitors, and she looks like she's she's controlling the world. She looks like a James Bond villain. That's what she looks like in the pictures when I see her. It's like all these stats and charts moving, and she's watching. She looks like a James Bond villain. Ashley, you look like a James Bond villain. And, and literally, she, she's got the Holy Ghost. She's got the ability to do it. She's got the mind of Christ. Don't say, I can't understand the market. I can't understand investing. I can't understand cryptocurrency. I can't stand. Of course you can. Ashley, that's not her only thing that she does, but she also does that. Think about that. So well, I don't have time. I have a job. She has a job. But it's not the only thing she does. I watch people that are in the world, like Gary Vaynerchuk, that tells people, you can work your eight-hour-a-day job. You can work nine to five. Come home and spend three, four, five hours with your kids. Ted knows what I'm talking about. Look at him laughing in the comments. He knows. He's married to a Bond villain. You can come home and spend three, four, five hours with your family. From five o'clock, say you get home at 5.30. Say you go home at six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Till you put your kids to bed, if you put them to bed that late. I put mine to bed much later. I don't know when they're on revival time. Say you spent till 10 o'clock with your family, had dinners, sat around, watched a movie together, spent time, read together, whatever. Kids go to bed. It's only 10 o'clock. How much sleep does somebody really need? And really, most people waste their time. You ever think about this? You could spend the next two hours putting in time, working on something else. 10 o'clock to midnight. Nobody's going to bed. I mean, like literally. I talk to people, oh, I gotta get home and go to bed. People aren't going to bed. They're just laying around doing stuff. They're laying around watching Netflix or they're laying around scrolling their phone or they're laying around, you know, it's, people aren't putting their head on a pillow and going to sleep. Some people are, but most aren't. How much sleep do you really need? You, even if you woke up at seven in the morning, if you sleep from midnight till seven, that's seven hours of sleep, it's plenty. It's plenty of sleep. You could spend two hours, that's 10 hours a week if you only did weekdays, researching, learning, educating, moving forward. And people just, you know what it really is, is people don't want to spend the time to do it. They don't want to discipline themselves to get in and make it happen. What kind of a side business could God give you? Could you start if you stewarded your time properly and you were like, you know what? I am going to spend those extra hours, you know, putting new things into my spirit, putting new things into my mind. See that? Jennifer said that. I do that. So look at this now. People stop learning. You can't do that. You've got the mind of Christ. Wisdom. You've got wisdom. And you know what the Bible says? If anybody lacks wisdom, let him ask God. James chapter 1. Who gives to all men liberally and won't rebuke you for asking. So if you feel like there's something you're coming on that's very hard for you to, to, to uh, comprehend, just start praying. Say, Lord, I need wisdom on this. I need you to show me how to do this. I need you to show me. I need you to show me. And he'll show you. He will show you. Number six. The sixth reason people, some people prosper and others don't is the ones who prosper listen to the Holy Spirit. Those who don't refuse to listen to his voice, refuse to listen to his voice. He'll lead you even in financial things. He'll lead you in investment things. 
He'll show you. If you're getting ready to do something and, and he doesn't want you doing it, or you're not supposed to do it, he'll, get, he'll literally lead you away from that. You'll feel no peace. You'll feel a check in your spirit. And it's the people that ignore those things that, that get crushed. That's number, that's number six. They ignore the Holy Spirit. People who prosper listen to the Holy Spirit. I remember hearing, uh, you've heard me tell this story. I remember hearing Brother Hagin uh, give us a story about when, one time when the, there was getting ready to be a recession in America. And so he was literally asleep in his bed. God woke him up early in the morning and said, there's getting ready to come. And the, fr- the phrase he used was a financial crunch. There's coming a financial crunch in the nation. But if you'll do the things that I'm leading you do today, that you'll, it'll come, you'll see it, but you'll never experience it. You won't feel any of the recession in your ministry. You won't feel the down, the downturn economically. So he took out a pad and pen and the Holy ghost began to give him instructions one by one on what to do in his ministry so that he would never feel the financial crunch, never feel the financial recession. He went into his office that day and began to implement those things got rid of everything the Lord told him to get rid of, got out of everything the Lord told him to get out of. And literally it came, he said, and we never felt it. Not only that, they raised all the money to build the Rama campus cash during the time of the recession. You think about that in the middle of a recession, how by listening to the Holy ghost, there's people that just literally refuse to consult the Lord and others just won't listen to his leading. But when you listen to his leading, uh, let me give you Isaiah 48, 17 on this. Isaiah 48, 17. I am the Lord, your God who teaches you to profit and leads you in the way you should go. So the Lord will teach you to profit. He will lead you to into profit and he will, uh, show you which way to go to get there. That's how God works. His desire is that the path of the just continues to get brighter on a daily basis. Proverbs 4:18. So don't ignore the Holy spirit. Don't ignore his leading. Don't ignore his guidance. That's how we're sitting in this studio today. Literally, we would have had to pay double over double for a building that would be smaller than this building. But by a prophetic direction and listening to the Holy Ghost, we came into this building, which was exactly what we needed and did it for half. And then all the money was provided. <laughs> I think about that. All the money was provided. So it's, it's mind blowing. Listen to the Holy Ghost and you'll be abundantly blessed. Listen to the Holy Ghost. You'll be abundantly blessed. That's number six. So number one, stay free from sin. Number two, obey your call. Number three, steward your finances. Number four, bless the poor. Number five, keep on learning and increasing. Number six, don't ignore the Holy Spirit. That was Isaiah 48, 17, by the way. Number seven, I'm gonna combine two that I had because they, they kind of go together, but I'm going to give them as, as the final one. And this one does have to do with your giving. 
Number seven is this. Listen very carefully to this. Two things that I'll mention together. Number one, people that give, if they even do give, they give when they're pressured to give. So it's based on manipulation or pressure, which Paul said by the Holy Spirit never to do in 2 Corinthians 9. Don't ever do that. Don't give in response to pressure or manipulation. You'll never hear me say on this broadcast or in a live service, if you sow this seed, a special anointing is coming upon you. No, it's not. No, it's not. You'll never hear me say that. The anointing is in you if you're, if you're a believer. It doesn't get more special than that. <laughs> There's no special anointing. There's either people that listen to the anointing, operate in the anointing, or they don't. There's no special anointing. <laughs> this anointing is golden and glossy. No, there's no special anointing. There's either you're anointed or you're not anointed. You can develop the anointing. You can increase in the anointing. But you're never going to hear me say, if you'll sow a seed today, a certain seed that's in my spirit, you're going to... Yeah, it rubs you the wrong way because it's not scriptural. You're not going to receive a special anointing for giving. You'll receive a harvest because that's scriptural. An abundant harvest for your seeds. That's how God works. It's the system of seed time and harvest. Seed time and harvest. And so they get pressured and they get manipulated by things that aren't even in the Bible things that aren't even in the Bible. A supernatural healing anointing will come upon you when you sow this seed today. No, it won't. You can't sow a seed for a healing anointing. You just appropriate the healing anointing that Jesus released when he took your sicknesses and your pains upon his body and uh, took stripes upon his back, took nails in his hands, took a crown of thorn on his head, pierced in the side. Redemption bought your healing. Not a financial seed. And so people get manipulated into giving. They get pressured or they get guilted into it. If you don't give, our ministry is not going to be able to stay on there. I've heard those too. I felt like calling in and being like, listen, if you'll just go off the air, I'll give you $1,000. <laughs> You're making us all look bad in the kingdom of God. It's manipulation. It's pressure. And Paul was clear, don't give in response to manipulation or pressure. God loves a cheerful giver, a cheerful giver. The cheer, the joy of giving is stripped away from giving if you're pressured and manipulated to do it. That's, that's the bottom line. The joy of giving is stripped away when you're pressured or manipulated to do it. That's why you'll never, I'm, I'm not going to, you'll never hear me make you feel guilty if you don't give. I'll tell you the blessings of giving. I'll tell you what happens according to scripture if you don't give, but you're free to give or not give. You're always free to give or not give. You'll never have me contact you and be like, I need, you need to step it up in your giving to this ministry. Never going to happen. You can give or not give because I also fully recognize and while I love uh, every person God's connected with this ministry who does so in partner, I can't put my faith in people. My provision comes from the Lord. He's my provider, not people. People aren't your provider. The Lord's your provider. 
He's your resource. He's the one who is all sufficient. He is the one who will bring you into overflow and abundance. He'll use people to come and give unto you, the Bible says, but they in themselves are not your source. God is your source. That's why the prophet Jeremiah said in Jeremiah chapter 17, cursed is the man, cursed is the man who puts his trust in the arm of flesh and doing so turns his back upon God. Think about that. Think about that. Praise God, Lenan. Wow. What a testimony. She said, for the last two weeks, I'd been feeling led to commit to the $85 a month partnership with you guys. So I canceled some stuff and set it up on Friday of last week. And Saturday, a huge financial blessing was put in my hands. Hallelujah. I was so excited to tithe on it and give a large offering. And now it's going to pay down some debt. Thank you, Jesus. What you prayed over me has begun. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. And so number seven, part A, don't be a person who responds to pressure or manipulation. And I'm going to be very plain with you about this because I'm just, I've had it with this stuff. So if I ever feel pressured or manipulated to give in any, I don't care if I'm in a church service, I won't give one dime, not a dime, because I refuse to have the joy of my giving and the harvest of it stripped away from me. Now, you may have heard me say this before, but it's worth repeating here. Paul was warning these people how to not lose their financial harvest. And he quotes Proverbs 22, 8 from the Septuagint it, to these people. That's what that is in 2 Corinthians 9 when he says, don't give in response to manipulation or pressure for God loves a cheerful giver. He's quoting there from Proverbs and he's warning them because the book of Proverbs, it says there in the Septuagint, God loves a cheerful giver, but is worthless, or excuse me, God blesses a cheerful giver, but his worthless deeds will come to an end. And so I'm showing you this because I want you to understand when the Lord gives you an instruction to sow, joy is on it. It might feel your flesh may try to push back, but your spirit feels the joy. And you push through the flesh and you say, I'm going to do what the Lord's asked me to do. Don't let the devil steal your harvest by taking away your joy and putting you into a place of manipulation or pressure in order to get that seed. Wow. Praise God, Dave. Hallelujah. Thanking God with you, Dave and, and Lisa. Now, let me give you the other half of number seven. It's not just that people give under manipulation or pressure out of no joy, but this one might hurt some, some people that are listening, but it, it should prick your heart. Many, many Christians give insignificant offerings to the Lord. They give insignificant offerings to the Lord. And I'm going to explain to you what I mean by this because it's important you hear it. Many Christians, they don't ever step out in faith to do something largely that moves their faith and that moves the Lord Jesus. Think to yourself, does it really take faith to sow the seeds that I'm sowing? 
I'm not saying this because, you know, I'm not trying to be a, a, you know, you know, I'm just going to say it. I don't care. People think what they want anyway. I laugh inwardly when I'm in a church service, not one that I'm preaching at, even if I'm listening to other people preach and it, it comes offering time. And people say, it's time, it's time to sow. We're going to give God an offering. I laugh internally when I watch people, especially men, I'll watch a man pull out a wallet, open up their wallet and pull out a few bills cash. I'll watch him pull out a couple tens, pull out a 20, whatever it might be, even a 50, whatever. And I look at, and, and, and I'm talking about, I look at these guys and they look successful. I'm like, okay. And I think to myself, did that take faith for you to release that? Did, did that take faith for you to release that into the kingdom of God? Now I understand, listen to me as I say this, I understand that there are people even in America, although I think there are a few, but I know there are some that it would take faith for them to release 20 or 40 or $50 in an offering. I understand that, that there are people that are there. No condemnation to you if that's where you truly are. If that's where you truly are. But most people are not there. When you see people on welfare wearing sneakers that cost $300, you understand that's not where they even are. Because it's more about what I want rather than what the Lord, than honoring the Lord. So you have people that they never break loose because they never sow a significant seed that means something to them that would cause their flesh to even be like, oh man, I mean, like they would never, never do that. I mean, there's people that have never in their entire Christian life sown a $1,000 seed. Never, never have. There's people that will still sow the, they're still sowing the same seeds that they've sowed 10 years ago. They were, every time the offering plate comes around, $50 bill, $50 bill, $50 bill, $50 bill. I agree with Ashley Shepard on Facebook. Most people can give a hundred dollar seed. Most people can. I totally agree with that because here's the deal. If you sowed 50 or a hundred dollars, do you think it takes you faith if you go to the restaurant with your family? And the, and the bill comes back and the bill is 60 something dollars and you, you got to add on your tip and it ends up being 85 bucks or whatever. Did, did it take extreme faith for you to take your family to dinner at a restaurant? It didn't take extreme faith. People just go do it. They just go do it. But then they come into the house of God. And isn't it funny how things change? They shift. Like they don't have any problem. I'll drop 50 bucks in an offering plate. It didn't take any faith. I actually was listening to a service. I was listening to a church service where a guy got up on the platform and said, I want everybody in the room to get a, uh, I think it was like a $57, to get a $57 offering in your hand. And that, uh, let me tell you, that offering is going to change your destiny. He said that in the service, get a $57 offering in your hand that will change your destiny. I hate to break it to you. $57 offering isn't changing anybody's destiny. Nobody's because it's not an offering of faith. It's not even a sacrificial offering unless you've got like 57 or $8 in the bank. That's, it's not, that's right, Zach. <laughs> that's Taco Bell money. It, that, that's not going to shift your destiny. It's not going to shift your destiny. And people don't give significantly. They don't give 
significantly. You've got to do that. You have to be a person. No, I'm talking about offerings. I'm not talking about tithes. Don said, are we talking about above your offerings? Offerings are spirit led and shouldn't be more than your tithe. Uh, can you explain? Most people tithe and pay bills, don't have offering money unless they're given it. That's because they don't live in the overflow because they don't follow the principles of God. Don't tell me that the average person pays their bills and has zero dollars left over. That's a total lie. That's not what's going on in America by any means. If that is happening to people, that is the minority of people in America. That, that is not what's happening with the majority of people. There's people who do what they want. You know how I know that? I grew up in West Virginia where people had money for what they want to have money for. You got people that are on welfare, but they've got a brand new satellite dish. They've got brand new cell phones. They've got brand new hunting gear. They've got brand new, you know, and I, I mean that they go to Dick's or they go to Cabela's and they've got all brand new Sitka hunting gear to go hunting. They go out and they have a brand new 30-06 rifle. They have an F-150 parked out front. They have money for what they want to have money for. Meanwhile, they're collecting unemployment or, or a welfare check. Don't tell me that people don't have money. That's why I said, like, when you look at the way people live, especially in America, and they say, well, we just don't, we just don't have money for the, for, it's because they put themselves over God. That's what, that's exactly what's happening. That's exactly what's happening. And so, the, and, and here's what it is. People have never stepped up to do significant things for the kingdom. They're not putting the kingdom first. They put themselves first. Tithe is literally just 10% of your income. That's all it is. It's a set amount. You can't tithe more. You can't tithe less. You tithe what you tithe. But your offering is two things. Now, the Holy Spirit can lead you in your offering. But notice what Paul said to them in 2 Corinthians 9. He said, you must each decide in your hearts how much to give. So there is an element of giving where you make a decision. I'm going to sow this by faith. David said when he was getting ready to sacrifice to the Lord and the man that he was uh, uh, going to buy the, the livestock and the threshing floor to do it, the man, Arana said, I'll give it to you. You can just take it, my king. He said, no, there's no way I'll let you give that to me because I won't give God something that costs me nothing. Now that, that literally is a, a godly principle. I refuse to give God something that costs me nothing. I won't do that. If it doesn't mean anything to me, even in the flesh, it's not going to mean anything to God. Let me give you a, a checklist here. When you're sowing seeds, when you're sowing seeds, ask yourself, does what I'm, it, does what I'm sowing right now mean something to me personally? Does it mean something to me? Or does it not mean anything to me? Now, here's how I know that it's not the amount in particular. Because there are people as I've, I've explained this multiple times on the broadcast before, you should hear it again because it's vitally important. It's not about the amount in particular. Jesus proved this in the gospels. He was standing by uh, the place in the temple where people were giving their offerings. 
And he watched the wealthy men come down and cast their offerings into uh, the receptacle. Large offerings, apparently, because they were wealthy men. But then he saw a widow who came down and sowed something that looked very small, two mites. He turns to his disciples and says, this woman, this widow, has given more than these other men. And they were blown away. They said, how can that be? Did you see the, what, what they were giving? He said, yes, but here's what you don't understand. Now, this is an insight into how God views your giving. It's an insight. He said, they gave out of their abundance, but this woman gave all she had. So I want you to write this in the comments section. God judges my giving by ratio. I want you to put that in the comments. God judges my giving by ratio. Now, if he's given you an instruction by the spirit, he also judges it by your obedience. If you don't obey his instruction, then you're in disobedience and rebellion. That's a whole nother story. But I'm talking about when you decide to sow a seed into the Lord, write it in. God judges my giving by ratio. That's what this story is proving. I'll give it to you in a more modernized way. If you have two people sitting next to each other in a church service and they both give a $1,000 seed it, on the outside, it looks like they both did the same thing for God. Although look at that, their giving's equal. They both gave a thousand dollar seed, but you have to know the backstory on both of those people to realize they didn't just both do the same thing for God because the man on the right, if you looked at his bank account, he has $1.3 million to his name and then just gave God $1,000. The man on the left, if you looked in his bank account, he has $6,000 to his name, $6,000, including checking savings and everything else, $6,000. When God views their two offerings, do you think God looks at the millionaire's $1,000 the same way that he looks at the person who's got $6,000 seed of 1,000? Absolutely not. And that's what Jesus is proving. That's what Jesus is showing. Yeah, those rich men gave large offerings, but they gave out of their abundance. This woman gave all that she had. And the point I'm sh showing you here today is that a significant offering to God does mean something different to everyone. It absolutely does mean something different to everyone. But here's the point I'm making. The point I'm making is you have to ensure that when you do so, that that offering is significant to you. To you personally, because if it's, if it is significant to you, it will be significant to God. Why? Because it takes faith to sow that kind of a seed. It does take faith to take that step of obedience to the Lord. So this, this last point that I'm teaching you is so vital because I see so many people that struggle in this area because they've never stepped up. They've never stepped up into sowing actual seeds 
that will break them loose into the kind of harvests that do change lives, that do change lives. I remember, I mean, like I was a young man when I gave my first $1,000. I barely had it. I barely had it to give, but I knew I was gonna step into another level and I started sowing it and I did. I sowed my first $1,000 and I barely could do it, but then God kept blessing me. And then my wife and I, we would start to sow by faith in different times when we could do it, $1,000 seeds to the Lord. And we couldn't always do it, but in the times we could, we'd step out by faith and we would do that. And then though, we got to a place. Now here's where you have to be introspective. We ended up getting to a place in life where we started to realize that the thousand dollar seed to us wasn't meaning the same thing anymore. That's a weird place to get where you're like, man, we're sowing these thousand dollar seeds so regularly with such frequency and with such, it almost feels like, you know what? It's not meaning the same thing to me anymore. I don't feel the same about it. It doesn't move my faith the same way. Well, why was that? It's because God kept increasing us to the place where a thousand dollars to the Lord didn't mean what it used to mean. So you know what we had to do introspectively? We had to step up to a higher level and we had to start sowing $2,500 seeds when we could do it. Because you know, we said, we're not gonna stay in the same place for 30 years. We're not gonna be here 30 years from now still sowing a thousand dollar seed. I'm not doing it, I refuse to do it. And so we started setting goals for ourselves. Every year, we will not just sow more in total than we sowed the previous year, we will also sow the largest one-time offerings that we've ever sown. And so that's, God's allowed us to do it every year. But we moved beyond $2,500 and had to start sowing $5,000 seeds. Then we started having to sow $10,000 seeds, 20,000, 30,000. And you say, well, how do you get there? You just keep obeying the Lord. You keep on being faithful to the word and I'm just telling you, you may not be at a place yet where you can sow $10,000 seed. You may not be at a place where you can sow a $5,000 seed, but you know what? There are people that absolutely can do it. And it's about being obedient to what the Lord tells you to do. You know, you'll never see me on here because we're gonna be blessed. You'll never see me on here. We really need you to sow. We're in a place where we need to get overseas. We're in a place we need to do something. I'm never gonna be in a place where we're, we're, we're sitting around begging you to sow. You're never gonna feel guilted. You're never going to feel, and, and listen to me, that's a promise to you. You're never gonna feel guilted. You're never gonna feel manipulated. You're never gonna feel pressured. I'm gonna give you opportunities, but you're never gonna be pressured to do it. It's between you and the Lord Jesus himself. It's gonna be between you and the Lord Jesus himself. He'll speak to you, but then again, you step out by your own faith and connect to what we're doing with the gospel. But you're never, it's never gonna be a pressure thing, manipulation thing, it's never gonna be a guilt trip. If you give, you're blessed to do it, and we're blessed to have you connected with this ministry. But more than anything, I want you to hear this clearly, more than anything, I wanna see you get blessed. Think about that. Hey, there's the Apostle Paul on YouTube. Your own mouth condemns you, and not I. Yes, your own lips testify against you. That must be Paul, because there's no last name. 
So I want you to hear this. My biggest desire, I want to see you get blessed. Nothing makes me happier than seeing these testimonies come in that keep coming in, than seeing people continually go to their next level. That gets me so happy I could dance around this studio. And I mean that. I love, I love seeing testimonies from the Victory Tribe coming back. Look what the Lord did for me financially. Look what the Lord did for my business. Look what the Lord did for my family. Look at the new house the Lord blessed us with. I love that because it shows you that the system of seed time and harvest is still in full effect as God is blessing his children. I want to see you blessed. Hallelujah. I want to see you blessed. And so I know there's people that'll rewatch this, listen on the podcast, but let me quickly run back through these just briefly so that you have them in your notes, that you have them. Uh, By the way, for those that are writing down uh, scripture references, let me give you Galatians chapter six. And by the way, Galatians chapter six is in context talking about this. The Bible says, do not be deceived. This is Galatians six, seven. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked for whatever one sows that will he also reap. Galatians six, seven, whatever a person sows, that is what he shall also reap. Let me add on to that. Second Corinthians nine, where I referenced earlier, because this is so important. I love this. Whoever, this is Galatians nine, six, very familiar to you. Whoever sows sparingly, that's how he'll reap sparingly. But whoever sows bountifully, mm, that's interesting. The Greek actually says, uh, the translation there is, those who sow with blessings, bountifully with blessings, will reap in that same way. So does this blow your mind to know God's not deciding how you'll be blessed? You are deciding it based on how you choose to sow in the kingdom of God, based on how you choose to sow in the kingdom of God. And so God, I agree with Michael. I've been declaring that it's reaping season. It's reaping season. It's reaping season. Galatians six, nine tells us that don't not to grow weary in well-doing. Why? Why should we not grow weary in well-doing? Because in due season, look at this. The Bible says in due season, we will reap if we don't give up. So don't get weary in doing good. Don't get weary in well-doing for if we faint not or don't give up in due season, we will reap and it's reaping season in Jesus name. You've been faithful. I've been dealing with this. Many of you last year, you stayed faithful. You've been faithful this year. It's reaping season, baby. It's time to reap. In fact, I want you to write it in the comments by faith, write it in there. It's my reaping season in Jesus name. It's my reaping season. Amen. And I'm standing with you. It is, it is. And there's people that the Lord's been dealing with you even during this broadcast 
that it's time to step to another level. It's time to step up to another level. And so I'm gonna give you an opportunity today to sow seed that's significant. I'm believing, I'm sure you're believing. You know what blows my mind? And I thank the Lord for this. I don't say this to, this is not to brag. This is to encourage you that even I, I'm trying to move forward all the time. And when I saw this and when, when, when I was told this, it made me so excited. Do you realize we've given more to the Lord, given more in offerings in the first five months of this year, January through May, than of all the previous 12 months, January through December. That blew my mind. We've given more in five months. <laughs> Talk about getting ready to run in 2021. We're running with our sewing. We've given more in five months than we have in the previous 12 months. That's just going to keep increasing. I want to encourage you. Today's the day. If you've never stepped out and done something that is significant for the Lord, do that today. It's important. It's important. One of the things that happens when you give like that is it's showing God, number one, you know that he is your source, not the world, not your boss, not your job. He is your source. Number two, it shows the Lord that the love of money does not have a hold on your life. Very important. The love of money is the root of all kinds of evil, the Bible says. It shows God you believe he's your source and it shows him that the love of money does not have a hold of you. And every time we have an opportunity to give, it's always a test of our heart. Where do we stand with the Lord? And so we're going to pray, but I'm going to encourage you today to sow a seed that is significant to you and believe God for increasing your family and your life. As we're preaching the gospel around the world, you're a part of it, but let's pray. Father, speak to every man and woman that's watching and listening. I pray that you'd give them great faith, encourage them, give them an instruction from heaven. And Lord, here's my prayer as they're sowing faithfully, would you increase them quickly and steadily? Let this be the lowest day that they'll ever have that from this day forward, it's never ending increase from this day forward. It's nonstop promotion. And Lord, as we obey your instructions and obey your word and obey your voice, we thank you. We'll never lack for any good thing. Keep us in the middle of your will. We thank you for it. We give you praise for it. Thanks for giving us an opportunity to give and giving seed to the sower. We expect bread for the eater and a great harvest on the seed that we're sowing. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Amen. I want to encourage you to go to miracleword.com. And sow that significant seed today. What's significant to you? I can't put the number on it because I don't know where you're at currently. You've got to obey what the Lord's telling you to do. And so when you go to miracleword.com, all the ways to give are there, as you know, every digital way. Plus, you can use debit or credit card on the website. Of course, in your, if you're on Facebook or Twitter, you can use hashtag donate in the comments. But partner with this ministry and sow a significant seed for everybody that's standing for $1,000 or more, you know we're sending one of my favorite study tools as a way to say thank you. The Genuine Leather Life Application Study Bible. And now we have the brand new Elite Study Collection that's going to people that are sewing $5,000 or more. 
and they're being packaged up. They look beautiful. I showed it to you yesterday and I think the day before. And for those that are sewing at $85 or more in the partnership level, uh, we're sending you Brother Hagin's book, Biblical Keys to Financial Prosperity. This will be a blessing to you. Literally, this will build your faith. It's one of my favorites in the library on the subject of financial prosperity, along with Bishop Boyadepo's book. Go to miracleword.com forward slash offer, and uh, that's where you can sign up to make sure we have your address. We know you sowed, and then we can send it to you as soon as possible. If you already have that book, there's other options in the drop-down menu uh, that you can choose if you already have that book on prosperity. So I'm encouraging you today, take that step of faith that you've not taken before. Do something that you've never done before. I wanna see you blessed. I'm very excited about what's coming up in the future because literally when I started preaching this just last week, it's reaping season. You better believe it's reaping season for the faithful. We are not going to diminish. We are not going backward. We're moving forward by the power of God. So get your faith ready. Get your, like literally get ready to rejoice. Get ready to praise. I'm being serious about that. Get ready to dance around your house. Get ready for testimonies to quickly come back. Get ready to shout. Because that's what we're standing for. That's what we're sowing for. And that's what's going to come to pass. Because the Lord is always faithful to people who are faithful to him. It's powerful, man. I can't wait to see what God's going to do. Again, I want to hear from you via text message. I want to hear your testimonies. I want to get your prayer requests. And so if you'd like to stay connected with us via text message and you're not yet signed up, go to miracleword.com forward slash text and fill in the info and uh, it'll put it right in my um, contact book when you do it so we can stay connected. I want to hear from you. I love getting these testimonies we've been getting. It stirs me up, gets me excited. And so that you know, I love every one of you so much and uh, very much appreciate you. Now, tomorrow we'll be back 10.30 a.m. And then tomorrow at 2 p.m., Carolyn's back again. Final broadcast before we leave for Scranton, Pennsylvania. We're gonna be at Peckville Assembly of God uh, Sunday through Friday. And the week after that, Church in the City, Dallas, Texas area, Rowlett, Texas. Uh, We'd love to see you in person. All of the details are on the website and uh, we wanna see you there. I've loved seeing all the Victory Tribe members that have been driving in uh, for the meetings. It's, it's awesome. I love you guys. I like seeing you in the sanctuary. I'm glad we're back together in church. Too many churches were closed down. By the way, if you missed yesterday's broadcast on Seven Signs It's Time to Leave Your Church, go back and listen or listen on the podcast. Uh, one of them was, if your church is still closed, time to get out. <laughs> Time to get out. Love you all. Have a wonderful Thursday, wonderful night. I'll see you in the morning, 10.30 a.m. Love you. Now that's the stuff leaders should be made of.